All right, folks, welcome back to Justify Your Existence with myself, Stefan Kreisnik, and Michael Katz. I cover Mississippi State for the Daily Journal. Michael Katz covers Ole Miss for the Daily Journal. Uh, joining you here for Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and the SEC and beyond. Make sure you follow all our coverage at djournal.com and uh, follow, follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and join our uh, Facebook groups. Our Mississippi State one is Mississippi State Discussion with Stefan Kreisink and Parrish Alford. The Ole Miss one is the same thing, just a discussion with uh, Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. Uh, Parrish, the common guy and all that, making sure to talk all things and, and probably making himself uh, a little bit busier than than some than us uh, maybe sometimes. But uh, great to be back, Michael. Welcome back to, uh, to Mississippi. I know you spent some time this weekend back home in uh, California. Um, welcome back to the SEC, man. We missed you. Yeah, you know, I I I was on the fence about whether I wanted to go watch my alma mater play uh, when I was home because, you know, I don't get to go to a lot of USC uh, football games, and I'm very glad that I did not spend my money because that would have been my <laughs> ultimate sicko move if I had put myself through that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk ultimate sicko moves later, but um, the peak, I think, of my – um, time working with Michael was texting him during a terrible USC, um, that being a, the other USC on the West Coast uh, game last week. It was uh, it was quite the experience getting to see your live reactions to some of the, <laughs> the way that game went. I'm sure most of those texts probably can't be read again um, on this podcast. But nonetheless, um, we'll, we'll leave that out on the West Coast. We'll talk from SEC today. Uh, let's start by reflecting on some games last week. I'm not sure how many of them you were able to uh, catch while you were home, but I think uh, the highlight is A&M goes into Arkansas and suddenly the Arkansas Razorbacks are a top 10 team after um, being picked by some, um, some being us in the media polls, uh, to finish second to last in the SEC West. Um, now they're a, a top 10 team, a team that looks pretty good, runs the ball well. Um, there was one guy when I was looking back at the preseason media poll that gave Arkansas a first place vote in the SEC West and people probably thought he was an idiot and it turns out that you know a couple wins um, mainly one against Alabama and he might be correct so respect to him for kind of predicting a good Arkansas season I'm not sure who he is or who she is but uh, respect on that prediction but, but let's talk about the game I think um, it's kind of a mix where people are pretty surprised at how poorly AM has looked at the start of the year obviously injury uh, the quarterback Haynes King plays a part in that um, and then another surprise is just how good Arkansas has been. So what, what was kind of your takeaway from that game? First of all, um, whoever voted for Arkansas is absolute galaxy brain move. Um, that's, <laughs> I'm putting that person in the Hall of Fame right now because that's incredible. Um, you know, it's – I'm not – at this point, I'm not surprised Arkansas won because they've been playing great ball. What I'm surprised at is how badly Texas A&M has been. Um, you know, I knew that the offense was going to be a work in progress, especially when the starter, you know, gets hurt. And the quarterback was always going to be a little bit weird without Kellen Mond, who I swear we graduated high school the same year. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised that, you know, there, there's been a, a few hiccups. But I mean, these aren't just hiccups. I mean, they're they've like fallen off a cliff offensively and. Um, you know, the, the defense is keeping them in games. That defense is really talented. But, you know, there comes a point when the defense is just on the field too much. Um, and 
man, Arkansas just, you know, they, they run you down and then they take their shots and they happen to have a great deep ball thrower and a great deep ball receiver. And, um, you know, they're, they're playing just so hard for Sam Pittman. You can tell that they enjoy playing for him. And, um, you know, it's like maybe the first week or two I was, I was, you know, you think maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's, uh, you know, just a phase and that they won't be as good, but now they've, they've done it every week. And I think at some point you have to give them credit. Uh, I think Arkansas is very, very good. And they're going to be a tough out for anybody. And, uh, you know, I still don't think they're going to win the SEC West, but I think they are going to give a lot of people problems. And, you know, Texas A&M, it's, you know, I think I, I had them as second in the West. I think right now they're like probably like the fifth or sixth best team just by how they've played. It's, it's, it's kind of shocking. It kind of reminds me of like Jimbo Fisher's last team at Florida state where they were just kind of, they just kind of seemed like they were always going through the motions. And there were a lot of things going on with him and, you know, wanting to, to maybe leave. And ultimately he did not saying that's what's happening there, but the teams kind of have the same feel where it's just not, it's just not clicking. Right. Yeah, I think going back to Arkansas first, I think, um, you know, people might have still been skeptical a little bit after the Texas win because I think, you know, it's Texas back. Nobody ever really knows and Texas is actually never back. Um, but the thing is, between Pittman and Muscleman, I mean, the, the Arkansas coaches are pretty fun, man. I remember listening to Pittman when he was at SEC Media Days and kind of like you, you get the typical coach talk mostly at Media Days. I mean, every coach is going to tell you how uh, good they think their team can be, how you know deep they are, how consistent they need to be, what they need to improve on, all this and that. There was a, a little bit of an aspect to him when, when he talked and, and did his coach speak, it kind of came across different. He, he seemed pretty matter-of-fact and kind of was like, you know what, we have a team that I think can be pretty good and we're just going to go out there and show it. And they've done that so far. And I think that's what's kind of interesting about this team is that people, um, I don't think so much at this point are still doubting them, but even you know earlier in the year, we're doubting them even after that Texas win. So it, it's pretty interesting to see um, what, what that program has become. I mean, they're, they're a fun team to watch. I mean, they kind of play a little bit old style, like hard nosed football, but it's, it's still fun to watch. You know, it's not like Chicago bears old style, hard nosed football. So uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. Uh, me, a bears fan, of course. Um, so, yeah, I, but, but with Texas A&M, it's not even so much like, like a team can lose at Arkansas. That's a road game in the SEC. Like there, you can lose a road game in the SEC. It's a team like Arkansas, but the expectations for Texas for Texas A&M were legitimately playoff expectations. Like it, it kind of seemed like New Year's six was, you know, pretty low for this team at the start of the year. Like we, I would say if you, if you had to pick one team aside from Georgia at the start of the year to compete with Alabama, I think most everyone probably would have picked Texas A&M. Maybe people that were high on LSU still, but, but Texas A&M had to be up there with Georgia. And now it's just a completely different story. I understand losing your starting quarterback, but man, to, to, to be that bad, you know, I'm surprised that, the, that they're still number 15 in the AP poll because I personally would have them a lot lower because, I mean, they didn't look good against New Mexico. They, they blew out New Mexico, but that doesn't mean you look good. It's New Mexico. And they also look terrible against Colorado. So whatever these the voters are seeing in, in A&M still, um, I think the remainder of their schedule will only get tougher and it's not, not a good road ahead for AM. If they make a New Year's Six, I'd be pretty surprised. So um, obviously they play Mississippi State this weekend in uh, College Station. So we'll touch on uh, Texas A&M a bit more later when we talk about Mississippi State. 
Another game that was probably one of the worst games I watched last week, but still watched because it was the SEC game was Kentucky, South Carolina. Um, man, I, I think, you know, I feel bad for Shane Beamer because there's, there's not much you can do with the GA as your quarterback. Um, but, you know, the, the Kentucky team didn't look that great either. Kept fumbling, kept giving USC chances, the, the East Coast USC chances. Um, I mean, how much of that game were you able to catch? And um, I think people were kind of high on Kentucky, maybe not so much after uh, after a pretty sloppy win. Yeah, I wasn't able to catch a ton of that one, but I feel like I've been saying the same thing about South Carolina every week. Like, they're doing their best. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, bless their hearts. Like, you know, like, they do play hard. And, and I think, like, Shane Beamer, I think, is eventually going to get this thing going. But it's just such a tough situation. Um, you know, Kentucky's a weird team. Um, I, I, I thought that they were going to be maybe a little bit tougher. Uh, you know, they've, they've been just so, you know, consistently good last years under Mark Stoops. Um, but you know, that was a game South Carolina could have won. And it's just like every game that they can win. Like, you know, it's like Lucy takes away the football from Charlie Brown when he's going to kick it. Like just something goes wrong. And like, um, you know, I, I th- th- this feels like the South Carolina team that is going to upset somebody. They're going to catch somebody off guard, and that's going to be, sh- you know, the moment people, you know, around the country kind of believe in Shane Beamer. Um, but man, it's that's a really tough situation. I, I don't know anybody who would be thriving in that, and you know, he just seems like such a positive guy. Um, you have to think he's he's going to get it figured out, but uh, that was a really that was a really ugly game. Yeah, it was. It was a really ugly game. It was just one of the – you feel for Shane Beamer because he, he says all the right things and it feels like he makes a lot of the right moves. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people are questioning maybe South Carolina's, like, play calling or anything like that. There's not a lot of blame being put on the coaches here, um, at least from what I've seen. So it, it kind of shows how hard it is, especially in the SEC, to come into a struggling program and try to turn that around. I mean, it's hard anywhere, but when you're facing – you know, when you're facing a, a team like Kentucky who has a tough game and, and it's still hard to beat, it kind of goes to, to show how tough that, that rebuild can be. So I think there's a lot of people rooting for him. I think he's a good dude and, and he says all the right things. So um, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, you know, in the next two, three years, um, you know, what he's able to do there. Because I think if you're South Carolina, the last thing you want is to go through the cycle of constantly changing coaches. You want some stability there. It seems like he could be that guy but you could be a, a good coach and a good dude and, and have trouble making a rebuild like that in the SEC. So, um, you know, all the best luck to him. We'll, we'll see how, how that goes. We'll shift again uh, to this week. It's a really good slate of college football games in general, a really good slate um, of SEC games. Um, Indiana plays at Penn State at primetime ABC. So surely that's not going to be ugly and get out of hand quickly. Yeah, that's what, that's what you know <laughs> – that's what people are saying. That, that could be the game, but it's okay. Uh, Indiana had the reach last year at the pylon, so they'll celebrate that moment until I think every Indiana fan dies. Um, but the actual game that matters, UConn visits Vandy this weekend. Biggest game. I think the game that we've all spent, um, you, you know, everyone spent at some point in their life too much time watching Vandy or UConn get blown out. I covered UConn playing at Indiana a few years ago. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to cover UConn or Vandy, but it, it it doesn't matter what team you're covering when Vandy and UConn are on the other side. Finally, those two teams match up in what's probably going to be the worst college football game of all time, but will be the best game at the same time. 
Do you have any prediction for that game? You know what's funny is uh, my last job was covering Wyoming. Wyoming actually played at Connecticut last oh, week. Oh God! <laughs> I was there. No, I know it's crazy. You no, know, this has big like unstoppable force, immovable objects. I didn't know. I didn't know UConn. I didn't know UConn played home games. I know. I didn't know they played any, <laughs> anything. Period. But oh. uh, you know, like as someone who is extremely online and and is a big fan of the the sicko meme. This is what I've been like waiting for my whole life is just the worst college football game ever that, you know what, maybe it ends up being great because both teams are so bad. Like I just got my fingers crossed. And if nothing else, you know, it's, it's, it's a zero, zero nail biter going to overtime. Right. I think a lot of people were kind of, I was saying this about the NFL because people were kind of frustrated a few weeks ago when it was, I think it was the Washington football team against the giants. And everyone was like, why are you giving us a Thursday night game with two terrible teams? You'd rather have it be two terrible teams than have it be, you know, the Giants versus the Chiefs or something like that. I know the Chiefs are in last place, but the point stands. Um, I think we'd rather watch UConn and Vandy than Vandy play Georgia again because that was horrendous. So um, best of luck to those two programs. I don't even want to say those two teams. I want to say the programs because that is a monumental game for everyone that's ever played at UConn or Vandy. So that will be uh, it's, it's a nighttime game. It's prime time. I don't know. I have no idea what channel it's on, but it's prime time. I'm hoping it's like you can only watch it on like streamies.com or like some like illegal streaming website. Like it's not actually available on a normal network. I was going to say it better be on like Periscope. <laughs> we'll see. Facebook Live at best. Um, but no, in the terms of the games that should have implications on the higher standings of the SEC, um, my opinion, game of the week, Arkansas travels to Georgia. Uh, if there's any doubt left about Arkansas, this is the week for them to prove it. Um, obviously, the other top game contention is the game we'll talk about later with you covering Alabama and, and Ole Miss. But do you think Arkansas has a chance to go, go into Athens and come out with a win? I, I will give them a chance because I've seen Georgia do this before. Um, you know, there have been a lot of really good Georgia teams in the last like 15 years, uh, that I think we all thought like this was the team that was, that was going to like break through and, and get the thing done. And then something stupid happens. Um, you know, um, they, again, they are, they are really, really good. That defense is, is insane. JT Daniels is, a, is the best quarterback they've had in a while. Um, but you know, it's and it's not going to be a gimme. Uh, Arkansas is not going to roll over, and they're not going to be scared. Um, I, I'll, I, I will give Arkansas a chance because I think that their style of football translates to any game anywhere. Um, you know, they're not dependent on on luck. They kind of create their own luck with the way they play. They just play so dang hard. Right. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to have a chance. And, and like I said, I, I've seen Georgia lose games like this and i'm not saying it's going to happen again but if it did I, you know the history does unfortunately sometimes repeat itself and uh you know until georgia kind of gets out of its own way in these sorts of games uh, i'm, I'm going to give the opposition a chance especially when it's an arkansas team that's playing really really well right right yeah i, I mean I, I would agree with you there i definitely would give them a chance i mean this is a game where um it's got pretty legitimate playoff implications i mean if if either of these teams loses, or I, I guess I should say, if either of these teams wins and then down the road their only loss is to Alabama, um, if you're one loss with a win at Georgia and a loss you know, versus Alabama, you're probably 
in contention, maybe it'll depend on what some of the other teams in the nation do. You know, it depends, I guess, how many undefeated teams are left at the end of the year. Um, but this is this is a game that really could have playoff implications, um, which is kind of interesting because Georgia had that same game in, in week one against Clemson that we thought had playoff implications. I think it did at the time. So that, that um, was a second game as well. Yeah, yeah, that was the Vandy UConn game might be better than that Georgia Clemson game was, but um, yeah, definitely a huge game in Athens. Um, over uh, back talking about Kentucky, Florida goes into Kentucky. I don't really give. Um, I don't want to give Kentucky too much of a chance because they didn't look good against South Carolina, but also it just kind of feels like that trap type game for Florida, a team that's been playing pretty well, um, played well in a loss against Alabama. Um, this could be a, a real backbreaker for Florida season if, if they uh, come out and lose this game. Yeah. You know, what was it like a, it was a few years ago that Kentucky beat Florida for the first time in like a billion years. And it, <laughs> right. it seemed like it had happened more recently than that. Like in my head, they had won a couple, but I guess they hadn't, uh, you know, I do, you know, I think I kind of talked about last week. I learned a lot about that Florida team losing to Alabama, um, that they are a lot better than I, than I thought they were. Um, you know, does Kentucky have a chance? Yeah. Cause I think, you know, unless you're Vanderbilt or UConn, any team has a chance on any given day. <laughs> and even one of them is going to have a chance this Saturday. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised to see, Florida not win this one by a couple touchdowns. I just think that, uh, you know, losing that game to Bama, I imagine was was pretty tough, but I, I think they probably left with their heads held pretty high after that one. And I know it could be a trap game and, you know, emotions and all that stuff, but uh, I, I just, I don't know, just from what I've seen from Kentucky, especially last week, uh, I think Florida should should win this one fairly handily. Yeah, keyword there. But I think it's one of those opportunities for Florida where uh, if Florida comes away with a win, maybe you still have some doubts, but if Florida comes away with a win handedly, then maybe that's when people you know, kind of start saying, okay, you know what, they're doing the things they're supposed to do um, to, to make you believe they're good. So we'll see about that. Another game, we won't go too in-depth just so we can move on. Um, Auburn plays at LSU. I think it's an LSU team that's still kind of struggling to find its identity right now. Obviously beat Mississippi State last week in a you know pretty ugly game in, in its own right. Um, Auburn had an ugly win against Georgia State. Um, maybe ugly is a, a loose term there and, and not giving them enough uh, credit for how terribly they played in that game. Bo Nix gets benched. Um, that's the type of game where I, I'm just kind of – you don't really care who wins, I guess. You know, whoever loses is going to be in a bad spot. Whoever wins is going to be in a, you know, a fine spot um, to kind of avoid being towards the bottom of the SEC West. But it, it's just one of those games where I, I'm curious to see what both coached does what both coaches do um in terms of just like schematically and, and trying to get their players motivated and, and moving on you know with the seasons after um ugly wins last week it's just it's just a, a game that you kind of feel has important towards the direction of both programs the rest of the season yeah you know it's it's crazy you know brian harson auburn's coach this is his first year but it seems like every move that he's made has been pretty like polarizing just in terms you right. know they Bench Bo Nix, who, you know, I know the joke has always been this is his year, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a legacy guy. He's a guy that fans, you know, love to an extent when he's playing well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they go hot and cold on Bo. But, um, you know, he gets benched. They fire the wide receivers coach right after the game. Um, it's, it's just been a very 
there was not really a honeymoon with Brian Harson. It just like went straight to the rough patch. And that's made even more difficult when you're barely beating teams. You should beat by a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really curious with, with what happens with Ed Orgeron at LSU. Cause if they lose this game, has he lost the athletic director? You know what I mean? Like, right. The grace period for him from that 2019 season, people forget things pretty fast. And, um, you know, last year they had a, a bizarre season and I think everybody was like, okay, well, it was COVID, blah, blah, blah. And then they came back out this year and, and they, you know, they lost UCLA. They almost blew that game against Mississippi State. Um, they're just not, I don't know, they just don't seem like they have the juice that, you know, those Ed Orgeron teams, you know, they usually kind of take on his, you know, boisterous persona. And I don't know if they really, they just don't seem to have that juice. And, um, you know, I, I think Brian Harson's going to make it, you know, make it through because he's a first year coach and the, they're right. going to most likely give him the benefit of the doubt. But, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron, I think there's a lot at stake for, for this and just really just the rest of the season. Uh, if, if they, if, if, if they lose a couple of games that they're not supposed to lose, I would not be surprised to see them, uh, you know, do something at the top. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because that's a lot of what the same conversation around Ed was going into that Mississippi State game. So it's, it's, to an extent, it's got to be pretty exhausting for him kind of feeling like every toss-up game could make or break your time at LSU. But like you said, people forget things really quickly. Um, you know, it's kind of like when, when Brady left, everyone's like, oh, is Belichick really that good? And now it's like, oh, Joe, when it was Joe Burrow the one carrying Ed? It's like, come on, just relax. I want to relax for a second. Just relax for a second. I think LSU's situation goes much further beyond their football program. I think that whole athletic department trying to figure a lot of things out. And that I think it's boiling over in some cases. Um, all right, we'll, we'll shift the attention to, uh, you know, I said the Georgia-Arkansas game could be the game of the week. I, I think there's a good chance that Ole Miss-Alabama ends up being the game of the week. Um, Alabama favored by 14 and a half, pretty, pretty surprising to some, um, a lot going into this game. There's, you know, obviously if you're Ole Miss, you, you probably want to say that this game has playoff implications. I think it does. Um, a real chance for Matt Corral to kind of have a Heisman moment and what's built in into a pretty strong Heisman campaign to this point. Um, all these things are lining up for Alabama to be like, we're going to beat you by 21. And this is what Alabama does. And I think the only team that's ever come into a game like this, at Alabama and, and pulled it off. The last one I can remember is Joe Burrow's LSU team. Like it, all of this always builds up for Alabama to blow a team out. So I guess give, give me your pitch um, covering Ole Miss. Why this Ole Miss team, why this Ole Miss team led by Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin can be the one to kind of do what LSU did a couple of years ago. I think that anytime you have a transcendent quarterback, you have a chance. And that's what it's always been when Alabama has lost. Um, and they haven't lost a lot in, you know, 20, I think he's like 174 and 23 at Alabama, which is just preposterous. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Um, and like eight, he's lost like eight home games, but uh, the teams that beat them have really, really good quarterback playing. Everybody remembers Johnny Manziel. Um, you know, Chad Kelly had maybe the luckiest play in the history of college football uh, in that Ole Miss win. Um, Joe Burrow, obviously, you know, had one of the greatest seasons ever, uh, you know, his 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 last year there. Uh, I think anytime you have 
a superstar quarterback, you're going to have a chance. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to um, uh, ESPN's Ryan McGee today. Uh, you know, they're going to be there for uh, the Martin McGee show in SEC Nation. And I just was kind of picking his brain a little bit um, about, you know, the matchup and what he was excited for. And, um, you know, as much as there's, you know, hashtag rat poison and all this sort of stuff, um, you know, he kind of had the same notion that we all did that this game is going to make or break Matt Corral's Heisman hopes. Even if, even if they lose, if he plays really well, December's going to come around and he's going to have a chance. Right. Um, but you know, if they are going to have any shot, he is going to have to have probably one of the best games he's played and they are going to need a few things to go their way. They're going to need that tipped pass. They're going to need to come down with that jump ball. They're going to need that blown coverage. Uh, they are, they are going to have to, they're going to have to be lucky a couple times. You know, I, I know this is a very good Ole Miss team and, um, you know, we, we have seen Alabama lose a couple times in the last 15 years, but, um, you know, it, it's, there, there's a reason that, you know, they're a 14 point dog. It's because like he said, like we've seen Alabama do this when everybody says, Oh, you know, this is the vulnerable Alabama team and they go win by four touchdowns. Um, you know, it just, I just feel like we have this talk every single year. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I will give them a chance because Matt Corral is as good as it gets. And that's going to be a great matchup between him and Bryce Young. Um, you know, two Southern California quarterbacks who got away, which makes a single tear come down my face because they both could have been at USC. Um, but, you know, uh, when you've got a superstar, you got a chance. But I think a lot of things are going to have to go right for them. Um, but you know, weird things have happened. And so, um, you know, this is not an Ole Miss team that's going to be scared. They're I mean, they're not intimidated. I know it's going to be the first huge crowd they've seen in a while, given COVID and all that stuff. You know, there's probably going to be a hundred thousand people there at, at Bryant Denny, but, um, you know, Matt Corral is like that guy who he loves that energy. He feeds off it. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a few spectacular plays and keep him in it. Uh, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama do what it does and just crush your soul. I think this game could go so many different ways. And, and that's what makes it so exciting. Right. Yeah, I think uh, watching Peyton and Eli's broadcast of Monday Night Football yesterday, I think um, people thought it was funny how, you know, Saban was saying how tough the, the hurry, up offense, hurry up offense is to uh, defend and how, um, Eli was joking that Ole Miss needs to run that. I don't, I'm 90% sure that you, that's probably not a joke. You probably should do that against this Alabama team. I think, um, you know, teams a lot of the time try to run the clock on Bama and, and keep the ball in their court, you know, keep it away from Alabama's offense. You got to go, if you're Ole Miss, do your thing and, and score like you do every week. And when you have a guy like Matt Corral, it makes it a lot easier to do that. So I think that's going to be a really fun game. Um, the, the spread to me is interesting just because I feel like you can compete with Bama. And then they get a late touchdown to kind of put it away in the fourth quarter and you lose by like 17 or something like that. Um, hopefully people who vote and, you know, have implications, this kind of stuff for Ole Miss sake, actually watch the game and don't see, you know, a 20 point loss and just assume that um, Ole Miss got ran out of the building. Should be a lot of fun. I'll, I'll catch some of that 
um, before the game I cover. We're both on the road this week. I'll be in College Station, so a little farther away from Mississippi than you. Um, but I'll be in College Station, Texas, covering uh, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, a, a game that um, I think for Texas A&M probably feels like a game they need to come out and dominate and improve on a lot of their flaws, probably starting with their offensive line. Um, but for Mississippi State, also feels like a, a bit of a statement game um, in the sense that I think people are really starting to sell their stock on Ole Miss, or um, sorry, Mississippi State. And a lot of people are starting to um, sell their stock on the air raid offense. Maybe not particularly the air raid offense as a whole, but with Will, Will Rogers at quarterback. It's a young Mississippi State team playing in an environment like that is going to be incredibly tough. Um, you know, spoke to a, a Texas A&M reporter earlier this week, um, earlier today, actually. Um, and he said, like, you know, this can be a game where, you know, not 110,000 people just because maybe people are losing a little bit of interest in, in Texas A&M season, but it could still be 90,000 people. That's a lot of people compared to, you know, uh, 2000 last year. So um, it, it's going to be a very tough environment for a young Mississippi State team. But at the same time, it's it's a good opportunity to prove, um, you know, what you're worth this season. With Mississippi State, I mean, it's, it's a brutal stretch. Most SEC teams are probably in the same boat of, um, you know, the schedule ahead. You're at Texas A&M, you have a bye week, and then Mississippi State is home against Alabama, um, has Vandy, I think, the following week, and then it's a stretch of, like, um, maybe not exactly in this order, but it's um, at Arkansas, at Auburn, uh, home against Kentucky, um, obviously at Ole Miss for the Egg Bowl. So it's, it's a really tough stretch ahead for Mississippi State with some toss-up games and Maybe, maybe this is one you could steal. I, I predicted that um, Texas A&M wins this by um, a couple scores, um, but in a, in a low-scoring game, I think Texas A&M's offense is not that good. I think Mississippi State has a pretty good defense who allows some big plays, and if it sures that up, some of those defensive breakdowns um, can can really clean things up and have a good defensive performance against a bad. Um, Texas A&M offensive line and against a pretty iffy defense and obviously a backup quarterback starting for them. The question comes back again to Mississippi State's offense against a really good Texas A&M defense. Can Will Rogers do enough and and be, you, you got to be a little bit of a game manager against Texas A&M, which is what Will Rogers does, but you also have to take those chances um, in a road game in an environment like that. You, you got to take the crowd out of it and there's no better way to take the crowd out of a game than a 50-yard touchdown pass or some or, you know, or just a big explosive play. Should be interesting. It's going to be a privilege watching Isaiah Spiller play running back. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, that's kind of the cool thing about this job is, um, you know, we worry so much about writing our articles and covering these games and this game and that game. You get a pretty cool opportunity to see guys like Isaiah Spiller, um, you know, Matt Corral in your case, um, play football. And and not many people get to do that, especially when it's guys that in a few years are going to be in the NFL and making national headlines. You got to kind of watch them. Uh, develop in college that's that's gonna be one of the cool things obviously being in college station is gonna be one of the cool things getting to see that environment um, i was told the press box shakes a little bit when they do their swag surfing things so that'll be a lot of fun should be it should be really fun but should be a game that for mississippi state is it's gonna there's a lot of question marks about this team at two and two no one really knows if they're good or they're bad um i think losing at texas a&m doesn't determine that but how you play could determine that especially for a young team in that environment so that's that's going to be interesting to watch um, certainly a game to keep your eye on. I believe it's a 6 p.m. kickoff on SEC Network uh, for those interested in watching. Should be a lot of fun for both of us on the road this week. Uh, Michael, any thoughts on Mississippi State before we sign off? I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. How long is Mike Leach's leash, do you think? Like how – I just feel like there's 
there's a little discontent about most, you know, particularly that the air raid, which was been this prolific offense for as long as Mike Leach has been doing it, just it hasn't shown up. Like, do you feel like there's some unrest? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, th- I know there is based on <laughs> the comments and the stuff I see on articles we write, you know, following, following games um, that, that people are a little frustrated because Mike Leach offense. And I wrote about this coming into fall camp usually takes a, not a step forward, but a pretty big step forward in a second season, just because it's a repetition based offense. It hasn't done that for Mississippi state. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Will Rogers still hasn't started 12 games. You know, he technically hasn't played a full season yet. I think Leach's answers in a lot of these press conferences pointing towards the inexperience um, does buy him more time. And it does kind of say, you know, the reason we're struggling right now won't be the same reason, you know, in a couple of years. There's also the element of you don't, Basically, what I'm saying, I don't think he gets fired at the end of the season unless something astronomical happens. Um, next season, you know, we'll see. But I, I don't think that Mississippi State, you know, following the the stretch with Dan Mullen, wants to be going into next season with its third head coach in like five seasons. Like, you, you don't want to go down that. That's another path when you start rotating coaches like that, especially with the, the power of the transfer portal right now. You don't want to get in that path. So I think because of everything that's going on in college football, um, I don't think he's that much on the hot seat in terms of coaching and, and execution stuff. There's definitely some frustration and there's definitely going to have to not next year, but probably, you know, toward the end of the season, whether you're winning or losing, you got to look a lot better. And, and in order to keep fans, you know, college football fans matter a lot because fans are often the donors and they're the one funding your program and everything. It matters a lot. And if Mississippi state is putting a boring product on the field, that's kind of where you start losing interest. You start not selling out games. And even if you do sell out, people still, you know, don't show up. You're like, whatever, I paid $20 for this ticket, whatnot. Um, so I don't think his leash, Leech's leash is short um, right now. But there's a lot in this season that can happen that determines what his leash looks like in year three and year four moving forward. So that, that'll that be interesting. I appreciate you putting me on the spot there. Um, any any uh, leash issues with uh, Lane Kiffin? No, no, not that, uh, you know, he <laughs> – He's just so good at playing the game. Uh, you know, this last weekend, you know, he was in Los Angeles doing some recruiting and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what's he doing in Los Angeles? Is he looking at the USC job? And it's like, man, Link has to know exactly what he's doing. He is playing everybody. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I think one guy that I would not expect to take that job would be Lane Kiff, and I don't think he wants to go back there. I, I, there's part of him – there's a sicko part of him that probably does want to go back there, but realistically I think that's so, one name that – there, there are two big Lane Kiffin anniversaries today. The first was 13 years ago is when he had Sebastian Janikowski yes, for the Raiders to yes. kick the 76-yard field goal that came <laughs> very short. And yes. eight years ago was the tarmac incident at USC. So September uh, September 28th is, is a pretty big day for, for Lane Kiffin. That I, He <laughs> tweeted about the Janikowski field goal today, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, uh, You know, like you said, I think there's a little sicko in there. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I would be hard-pressed to see the USC thing happen, uh, I think. But, you know, hey, man, weird things happen. But, I, you know, I think there's always a chance because that's how college football works. But I, I think surprise would be an understatement on, on my end. All right, Michael, why don't you go ahead and plug your guys' Facebook group and your Twitter handle one more time before we sign off. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is at Michael L. Katz, that's K-A-T-Z, and then our uh, Facebook group is uh, Ole Miss with uh, Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. Parrish is 
Uh, he's, he's the brains behind the operation. So you guys got to keep following him too, even though he's not on here on Wednesdays anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Big respect to Parrish. He, uh, he keeps us afloat. Um, and, and uh, my Twitter handle is S Kaishnik three S K R A J I S N I K three. Our discussion is all, um, sorry, not all this discussion, Mississippi state discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kaishnik. Uh, make sure to follow just by your existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. And follow our work at djournal.com. Until next week, from Michael Katz and myself, Stefan Kreisink, thanks for listening.